thanks for joining us here at All Nations. We are a church in love with Jesus with a passion for you. Our mission is to bring those who are lost into a life fully devoted to Jesus. If you want to learn more about us as a church and what we do, you can visit us online at allnationswestend.com. Join us today as we hear from our senior pastor, Ross Coco. Okay, tonight I will incorporate the message with communion. We're going to have communion. But I will share the message and we will partake in the communion at the end of the message. Amen? Hallelujah. So the title of the message is Communion with Christ. Hallelujah. Um, Just allow me to pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord. And the reason why we have communion is because of your precious son, Lord, because he came into this world. Why did he come here, Lord? Because he came in all humility, but he came as a God that loves us so much that he was prepared to lay down his life for us. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you saw fit to bring restoration of mankind, of men and women, to bring restoration back into relationship with the Father. And it's because of what you chose to do, Lord, that you came into this world and you died on a cross so that our sin could be separated from us so that we could live an eternal life with you. And tonight, Lord, it's all about you, and I want to honour you tonight. I want to honour you about speaking about you and also about your sacrifice. So we just thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word, and I pray that your word would impact people's lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Communion has been celebrated by virtually every branch of Christianity over the last almost 2,000 years. Some call it the Eucharist, others the Lord's Supper, and others communion. The communion and the meaning of it has united and divided Christians for centuries. It expresses our common faith in Jesus Christ, yet at the same time, various aspects have caused enormous controversy For example, how often should we be celebrating it? Who should administer it? Who should partake in it? What type of bread should we use? What type of wine or juice should be used? And then, what happens to the bread and wine when it is blessed and then eaten? In the midst of all this controversy, it is easy to get sidetracked from the central message of the celebration which is the remembrance of Jesus Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. Hallelujah. Church religion deals with the external aspects of it, the ritual. But with true Christianity, it deals with the relationship, which is a true faith in Christ, and it deals with the heart. See, Let me give you a religious perspective. Let's use the Catholics, for which is my background and what I was brought up in. They believe 
in the Eucharist in communion. So what does this mean? This belief has a rather lengthy title. Does anyone know what it is? What their belief is? Correct. We have a Bible scholar. Transubstantiation. That's what the title is. But this doctrinal belief system says that the bread is transformed into the real living flesh of the body of Christ and the wine gets transformed into the real living substance of his blood. Now, how did they adopt this doctrine? Well, there is John chapter 6 which says this. It says, John 6, 53 to 56, we can read it. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Hallelujah. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. So, this is where the Catholics are, and there's one more verse, and he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now, there is some truth, and this is where the religious aspect comes into it, because the Catholics have the Eucharist kept in a tabernacle. Does anyone know where the tabernacle existed? was in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament tabernacle is where Yahweh God would meet with the high priest. So what the Catholics have done is carried on the tradition of the Old Testament. But see, when Christ came into this world, he done away with, he, uh, it was an antitype. What occurred in the Old Testament was fulfilled in Christ. And that's why religion tries to keep us um, bound, bound in its traditions, in its rituals. We get bound in it. But in Christ, it is about relationship and a heart change. Amen? So in Christ, he focuses on our hearts, not on rituals, not on being able to do things in a correct manner, but what is in your heart. Hallelujah. See, regardless um, of this, and by the way, sorry, I meant to mention this, that is where uh, the saying comes from because, see, the Catholics keep the bread, which they believe is the body of Christ in this fancy-looking box. And um, I believe that is where the saying arose, you're keeping God in a box. See, because that's what they do, is that God is held within this box that, uh, that they put under lock and key, by the way. But regardless of our belief in transubstantiation or whatever belief system we have in the communion, this is the reality and the truth. It has tremendous power and it is um, of tremendous benefit to you to abide 
in it. Hallelujah. That is why Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Amen? But we've got to look at the word remembrance here. It has a greater meaning than how we use remembrance. It's not just to be brought into our thoughts. In fact, that word in the Hebrew and and then in the Greek means this. It actually means that in your mind and in your heart to relive what Jesus did for you when he went to the cross. Amen? So it's to really understand and really um, meditate on and really, really know in your heart what Jesus did when he went to the cross for you. Amen? It will start to open up a greater understanding. And if you've never tried to do that, I encourage you tonight to do so when you partake in the communion. And it's not to be considered as some ritual and um, thing that we just go through the motions without understanding all its importance, which the Apostle Paul alludes to in 1 Corinthians chapter um, 11 verses 26 to 30. Let's just look at those verses now, 26 to 30. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. That's to look into your own heart. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Let's stop there. So what are these verses telling us? See, when we partake in this communion, we're not just to treat it as some ritual event. Is that it actually has great significance. And in the Bible here it says, that's why, because some of you do not realize what you're doing, that is why you are weak, sick, and by the way, that sleep means eternal sleep. Never to wake up. That means dead. That's what it means. So here, um, the Apostle Paul admonishes the Corinthian church because of their behavior. See, some of those Corinthians were a bit unruly. They got out of control. And that's why... um, Church, it's so important that we keep a right heart with God. Um, And then if we move on to verse 33, it gives us some more insight. 
it says in verse 33 um, what was actually occurring in the Corinthian church. If we don't have it, I'll just read it. No, we've lost it. That's okay. That's okay, Harry. Let's read it. Therefore, my brethren... Oh, sorry, it's verse 33 and 34. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. See, here... Um, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church because, see, when they had the Lord's Supper, they just took it as a feast, as a time that they could just sit down and be merry and eat together and not actually contemplate and really ponder and really relive, as the Word says, in remembrance of Christ. They were treating it as just some type of a festival every time they got together. So the Apostle Paul addressed them when he wrote these verses. And church, unfortunately, I believe the same mindset occurs in the church today. That's why it appears in the Bible, because it wasn't only speaking to the Corinthian church, it's speaking to people's hearts in the body of Christ today. We've got to have the right attitude. We've got to have the right heart. We've got to realize when Jesus went to the cross, what he really did for us the cost, the price that he paid. Hallelujah. And communion is an awesome and a powerful time to really really meditate and to discern what Jesus did for you, that he died for you, that he gave you life. Hallelujah. So tonight, I want to encourage you that from tonight onwards, I want you to really look at the communion in a different way. We also see some great examples in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, um, it doesn't matter if we don't have the scripture, I'll read it out to you. It says this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Now, listen to this. This is what they did. They were in the Word in the Apostles' doctrines. They were in the Word daily. They were in fellowship. They were sharing the Lord's Supper, and they were in prayer. I can tell you, if you do those things, we will be a powerful church. See, we've lost what the early church had. We've lost that passion that sold-out heart for the Lord. We've lost that. There's a lot of complacency, a lot of distraction, a lot of compromise. Today, our hearts have faded. But the Bible tells us that they operated with such power and unity. And you know what amazes me? I hear in some churches today... They say, oh, you know, miracles, that was only for a time. It only happened in the early church. What a load of nonsense. You know what it is? You know what the difference is? That they're not prepared to pay the price. They're not, to prepare, they're not prepared to pay or, or to attribute or give their whole life to Jesus. They're not ready to sacrifice They're not ready to die to self like the early church did. 
That is why they saw the power of God come into their lives. See, church, we're living in days where there's so much deception. There's so much compromise. The early church had power. Why? Were they great? Did they have some special dispensation? Did they have some special anointing? No, that's not according to the word of God. God, it says he has no favorites. What they were prepared to do was to live their life completely for him. And they saw his power manifest. Hallelujah. And I can tell you across the face of the earth today, there are people that are ministering in countries that have completely a sacrificial life for Christ and they see miracle after miracle occurring in countries that they aren't living a compromised life. And you know, one of the, one of the other great things um, that throws their whole argument out the window is there was a man by the name um, of Smith Wigglesworth who operated in such great power. Was he any great man or did he have any great blessing? I can tell you that man was completely sold out. He wouldn't even allow a newspaper into his house. He would work, walk around with the word of God everywhere he went. He had total faith. And as he prayed, he believed. And he knew that God would show up. He knew that his God was a God of power. And as he prayed over people, people's lives were being transformed. He saw limbs grow. He saw people's lives being transformed. There's a reported or a recorded 14 people being raised from the dead under his ministry because he believed in the power of God. See, church, God is real and Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. The power that existed in the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost that came upon them as the Holy Spirit came upon them with power, that same power applies to the church today. Hallelujah. But we have to have the right heart like they had. Amen. And our prayer should be, Lord, Lord, just take away all this dross in my heart. Lord, I pray, Lord, that I would have the same passion that same devotion that the early church had, Lord. Lord, birth that in me. Lord, burn away anything that is not of you in my life. When we start to pray that way and we're serious with God, we will see the miraculous happen in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost came upon the church with power as he can today with us. There was four things that I've listed here that the early church did that I think we need to lay a hold of in their sacrificial life. One, they're obedient and they celebrated the Lord's Supper often as he commanded them. They also spent time with each other in fellowship dealing with wrong attitudes, with wrong hearts, with wrong mindsets. And I believe that when you come into communion, it is a great time, one, to focus on the cross, 
two, to get rid of a wrong attitude or a wrong mindset and to get rid of sin that is in your life, to confess it before the Lord. See, in the church, after our service, we have fellowship, we eat some food together, and we celebrate. But when we come together around the Lord's Supper, supper, it is more about reverencing Him and honouring Him. And that's another reason why we need to do it often. See, church, I believe that as we partake in the communion with the right mindset, it will change our lives. There's something that happened um, almost three years ago that I will never forget. I've always believed in the power of sharing communion and um, with a brother and sister. And also another thing that the... um, that Smith Wigglesworth used to do is that he used to partake in the communion daily. He would take communion on his own and partake in it daily. So he came before the Lord and got his heart right before the Lord every single day of his life. So that's his Christian life, that is. So there is great power in the communion. But I remember some almost three years ago when I was told that Pastor Ron... Um, was diagnosed, he was in hospital, he had liver cancer and uh, the report came back that he was only given two weeks to live. And I remember I prayed and I said, Lord, you know, what, what do I need to do? And I never forget the Lord impressed upon my heart to go up there in that hospital room and to share communion with him. Now, I got all my little box together where I've got my little wine and my little bread and I went up there and God had already orchestrated someone else to be there. He came just minutes after I walked in and uh, Richard, who's a friend and he's also attended this church from time to time, but he rocked up there and I said, Richard, um, we're going to have communion with Pastor Ron and I can tell you it was so powerful. In that hospital room, there was three other beds and as we shared communion it impacted everyone even nurses that were in that ward and I remember as we prayed and as we partook in the communion something took place and what had happened when we left that night Pastor Ron the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he said get out of this place now they were not going to release him they said um, he actually had to go into palliative care He told the doctors, no, I'm not going into palliative care. I'm going home. Oh, but you can't. Yes, I am. And not only did he go home, the Lord told him, get rid of all your medication, just trust in me. And he sat at home and he just waited on the Lord and he was miraculously healed in Jesus' name. Now, many of you know, he testified. He came into this church and he testified about the healing that he received. Now, I can tell you, when I saw him in that hospital, he looked like he was already dead. He was as yellow as yellow could be. His eyes were yellow. His body was yellow. But God healed him. Not long after, weeks after, his skin was normal. Everything was perfect. The doctors had no 
explanation. And they started calling him Lazarus. So, but we know Pastor Ron just recently passed away, but God extended his life for almost three years. And there was a reason why he extended his life. In that time, Pastor Ron was able to testify on the glory of God and on his grace. And he went around sharing his testimony, which impacted many people. He was able to impact his family. His sons were not really interested in the things of God and their hearts have changed. So God used him. He gave him a three-year extension. Now, he didn't die a young man. He was 83, praise the Lord. So he lived a good and full life for the Lord. But now he's gone home to be with the Lord. But that was the miraculous and no one could deny it. No doctor could deny it because there was nothing more they could do. They said he only had maximum a couple of weeks to live. And looking at him, I would have agreed with the physical observation. But God is a miracle-working God. Hallelujah. And another thing that happened, you know, we look at um, in the, the Gospel of Matthew... Um, Matthew speaks about in the last days that all these tremendous things uh, in, in Matthew 24, all these tremendous things, earthquakes, pestilences, all these things are going to come upon the earth. And we see now with this coronavirus, all this fear. Now, I had to fly to Sydney yesterday morning and I came back last night and I can tell you the airports, the planes are full of people walking around with masks on. And there's fear in people's eyes. Because, see, they don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. So many people fear these things. They fear because that's what the devil uh, does with these things. He brings fear upon people. Plus, he wipes them out. But I can tell you that when you're in the Lord that you do not fear. I do not fear sickness or disease. Sickness and disease has tried to come upon my body many times, many times since I've been saved, and I will not accept it. Absolutely, categorically, will never accept sickness and disease in my body. Never. Because it doesn't belong to me. I'm a child of the most high living God. Sickness and disease is something of a fallen kingdom, of something that belongs to the devil. It doesn't belong to me. See, that's why I don't accept it. Now, I know not everyone has that type of faith. Not everyone um, believes that way. But I can tell you, I only believe that way because I trust the Word of God, not because I'm special. Because I read the Word, I trust it, I believe it, I live it. Hallelujah. That's what we need to do, church. We need to believe it and live it. Hallelujah. You too will have that faith. The Bible says you need faith as much as a mustard seed. We don't require a lot of faith, but we need faith to trust God. And I can tell you that if you trust him implicitly, if you have that much faith in him, he will reveal himself in a powerful way in your life. Amen? I know um, it's in Mark chapter 5. There was the account 
of the woman with the issue of blood. But then um, while he was dealing with all that and the woman confessed it was uh, she that touched the hem of his garment and um, he said to her, go in peace, your faith has made you well or whole. See, as she touched him in faith, she was instantly healed. But then there's another story that as all that commotion was happening, it says that um, the ruler of a synagogue came to him and his daughter was dying. And he approached him. And anyway, as this was all happening, some people came and told him, your daughter is dead. And then Jesus turns to him and he says this. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not allow the devil to put fear in your life. He says this, but only believe. Only believe. Only trust me. Only believe in what I'm capable of doing. And then what happens? We know they go to to the daughter and Jesus says to them, she's only sleeping and they all laugh. They all mock him. And then he tells them to all get outside. Takes only some of the apostles in with him. And he says, Talitha Kumi, arise, get up and walk. And instantly... She was healed of death. She was risen. The resurrection life came into her body. See, church, nothing is impossible with God. He is resurrection life. If you have been given a bad report, if you've been told that you're dying, if some, if some doctor has said it's all over for you, no, it's not. That's their report but they don't have the last say. Jesus does. Amen? That's why I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you that when you partake in the communion, if you're sick, if you have a sickness in your physical body, I encourage you to take hold of the body and blood of Christ and really meditate on what Jesus did because he went to the cross for your healing. He went to the cross to deliver you from sickness and disease. See, the Lord, all that is found in the sacrificial death of Christ and the blood of Christ. It can heal you. It can deliver you. Amen? So tonight, I want to encourage you that if you need a healing, and sometimes healing is not just physical, it can be spiritual or emotional. Sometimes we need to be healed in areas of our life. Whatever it is, the Lord is able to perform it, and that's why I want to encourage you. So I might get the team up, the worship team, and I might start handing around um, the elements as we come around the Lord's table. Now, I want us to take a moment once we have the emblems, the, the body and the blood of Christ. I want you to take a moment to really think about what the Lord has done for you on the cross. 
really spend some time just meditating on that great gift that he has given to this world. But I also want you to start to deal with things in your hearts. If you are holding on to any grudges or you do have unforgiveness or you have bitterness or disappointment or anger or malice or you have sin in your life and you need to confess it, well then it's time that you deal with it before you take the communion, before we have the Lord's Supper. Just take this time to to really get your heart right with the Lord. And if you need healing, if you need healing in your physical body, emotionally, spiritually, whatever you need tonight, I want you to believe, and we're going to come in agreement with you tonight as the body of Christ. I just want you to receive from Him. Really believe in your heart that God is here and He's going to touch your life tonight in a way that maybe you've never been touched by God before. So Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We just honour you tonight, Jesus. Lord, as we partake in this, as we hold these emblems that symbolise, that enable us to reflect on what you did on the cross for us, that precious um, bread, which is a representation of your flesh, of your broken body, and the cup of wine, which represents your precious blood. Yes, the precious blood that you spilt for us, Lord, and for all of us, so that we could have eternal life. Lord, we just come with humble hearts before you tonight, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would have an adjustment of attitude, that we would put you first in our lives, Lord, not look for the things of this world to please us or to fulfill us, Lord, but we would be satisfied, satisfied totally in just a relationship with you, Lord that we would have total peace and satisfaction by just having you in our lives. Lord, I know that you're a God that just loves to bless us, Lord. And Lord, that's wonderful, Lord, but we don't seek after those things, Lord. We seek after intimacy of a relationship with you. We seek, Lord, the fullness of of you in us, that we would fully abide in you, O God, and that you would fully abide in us. Tonight, Lord, as we come around the communion table, I'll just read the scripture from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three and 20 to 25. For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this 
is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance. Remember that word, remembrance. Remember is not just to remember, but to relive in your heart what Jesus has done for you. So church, as we just think about Jesus' sacrifice on that cross, let's just partake in this body of Christ. Let's eat together. The Bible says, in the same manner, he also took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Church, let's take this cup, the blood of Jesus, that blood that brings healing, restoration, wholeness, and eternal life. Let's just drink together and thank the Lord with all our hearts. In Jesus' name. Thank you for connecting with us. We would love the chance to stay in contact with you. We want to help you find your next steps in life with vision and purpose through Jesus Christ. If you haven't already, you can jump onto our website at allnationswestend.com to find out more.